tell me, how is your relationship with your mother? I mean, are you a professional? I, I mean, I guess you're right. I'm not a professional. But you know what? I mean, what's wrong with asking those kind of questions? You know, you're right. I never really thought about that. We all have emotions. Why do we look to professionals to tell our emotions to? I think that's true. Maybe we should start a podcast about it. Well, how do we start a podcast? Bring people on, have them share their experiences, and share those experiences with the world. Well, you know, that's a good point. So I guess the more important question is, how do you feel? Welcome again, you beautiful people. This is Emotional. Welcome back. Stoked for everyone to be here. We have a, I feel like we always say a very special episode. But but, but this, this one's one, super this special. This one actually is. I mean, to be honest, we bring on some pretty special guests. But this one, to me personally, means a lot. It I is mean, my, it's your best friend. It is my so, best friend. You know, we've had my brother and that was special for me. We've had people that... Well, we've had your, your girlfriend and her mom, too. Course, so we've had awesome. everyone special for you. This one's special it's, for it's me. It's your turn. It's your turn. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, uh, we who brought, is it? We brought on the amazingly funny Rob Neely. He is my best friend from, like, middle school. We've been so close. We have, we're basically brothers at this point, and... Uh, and we you haven't him. actually grown apart over the years. That's the other amazing thing. Even though we live, or you guys live in different parts of the country now, um, you've maintained that connection. Well, yeah. Because we've known each other for so long, there was so much to talk about. We, we had to split this interview into two different parts. So in this first part, I mean, we get start building the premise for some really emotional things. So, I mean, don't feel ashamed if you have to get some of your tissues out, you know? Yeah, this first part especially was a lot about his personal upbringing and kind of the reasons he enlisted in the first place. And so we do talk a lot about how, of course, how his emotional connections to people played into that and how they influenced the decisions he made uh, even once he was in the military. So, yeah, really in-depth discussion. And I'm sure a lot of listeners either were or know someone who was in the military or had something to do with that. And so a lot of different people have a lot of different perspectives on uh, emotion as it pertains to the military. I'm sure uh, he doesn't have, he wasn't a combat veteran. And I know that's a topic that people tend to focus on a lot when discussing the military and uh, strong emotions is that PTSD, but we will get a little bit of a taste of some of the things that Rob still had to go through, even though, uh, he didn't necessarily see combat. Well, and I think that's a good point to point out that we all have biases and um, assumptions about certain aspects of life. And when it comes to the military, we think of people serving yeah. our country and proud to fight. And with the and guns up on and the with front the lines. Guns, and, yeah, yeah, and doing physical fighting for our freedom. And there's a but lot there's of a background lot. stuff outside of that. that mm -hmm. it's, sometimes it's not always proud. Sometimes it's not always combat. There are other things, and we'll get into it in the episode. So we hope you enjoy. So really, the topic of this episode is going to be about military. I mean, like, yeah, military focus, but yeah. kind of like I was telling my mom, too, is, oh, she says hi, by the way. Um, hi, Angie. <laughs> um, just talking about, like, everything that surrounds the military. and You're smart. Right. I, I know that you're going to understand this, but, like, the fact that the military is the subject doesn't mean that the military hasn't affected other parts of our lives, basically. Do you so mean like see. other parts of my life or other parts of even your life? Both. I mean, we've been best friends for, right. I don't know, since like sixth grade, seventh yeah, grade. So right. really, it's, I mean, it's my emotions too, just as much as yours when it sure. comes to those. Yeah, I mean, we'll be, that, we'll that's the of... thing about the military too, is like it, it affects not only the person that joined, but everybody that's in that person's life. It affects all of you. And, uh, you know, especially with friends, most of the time, once you join the military, all your friends are just gone. Like whoever you knew hmm. in high school. And it, it only becomes into a... What do you mean gone? Like, Well, because like, if I ever want to see friends, you know, it's always 
for almost everybody in the military, they have to fly home and you'll spend thousands of dollars to fly home all the time. And then, you know, you'll have friends say, oh, you know, I can't make the drive out and it's 20 miles or something. And you're like, what the hell, man? <laughs> like, I just came yeah, flew across flew the country. thousand yeah. miles and you're not willing to meet me at 20. Yeah. So you tend to lose a lot of friends once you join. I mean, you make a lot more, obviously, in. Yeah. But that's the crazy thing about being friends with James specifically. I mean, you came to visit. You're like one of the few that cared enough to make drives and stuff still. Well, and that's what's really cool about like our core friend group too, of like Chris Harvey and and Hunter and Shane is like willing to just come out like the little ways. Like even right. when you were out of the military, we basically you're like, hey guys, I need to go back down to San Diego and get a couch. And we're like, <laughs> yeah. okay, yeah, we'll drive down to Modesto, stay the night, and then drive that to San Diego. That was wild, dude. <laughs> and then go back home. Yeah, that meant a lot because I was like, you guys ruined your whole weekend to do that. Like, no, dude, it week- wasn't even ruined. Like, I don't know. I love seeing you guys. I love seeing every one of our friends. And to be able to, like, again, to some people, it's hard to make the 20 mile distance to go mm-hmm. see someone. But to me, I'm like, shit, I save money so that I can have some fun days. So when right. someone's like, hey, will you drive down and see me? Or, hey, how will you help me out with this stuff? It's like, that's what I've been saving for, is an experience to go see someone, to go somewhere, to do things. Even if it's like for sure. manual labor, like moving, it's still the opportunity to see you. For sure. We definitely made the most out of the weekend too. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty fun road trip. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it a lot. Dude, and on kind of on that note, like what I've heard also from people who have joined the service is like the the letters you get while you're in boot camp or basic or anything, those are just like the most from what I've heard anyways, that's like what gets people through it, honestly. Like it really is because really so the way it worked in boot camp, right, is they give out the mail every night. So like yeah. right right as taps happens, taps is like lights out you get in your rack you're not supposed to leave your rack unless you're taking a piss or something right but right before that they'll pass out letters so you can read a letter before you go to bed or whatever and if you're not getting letters from friends you'll see there's a couple of people in boot camp that cut a letter like every day and those people just like it shouldn't make you angry right because it's (laughs) it's it's good for them that they're someone care that they have people that care about them but it makes you angry kind of because like you know, you won't get one for a week or two and you're just seeing the same person get a letter every day and it just worsens the yeah. sad feeling you have in boot camp and it yeah. makes you feel that much more alone. Well, how so when, long is boot camp for the Navy that you had to go? Is it nine weeks? It was nine weeks, yeah. Okay. Nine yeah, weeks. so for the listeners real quick, yeah, Rob uh, was in the Navy, just so we're clear on what branch right. you were in. Yep. And then uh, where where were you stationed at first or where was boot camp so, at boot camps in chicago or right outside chicago and great lakes really for the navy yeah <laughs> i think it would be a coastal city i don't know some, it, no, it's a big it lake. doesn't matter you, you don't All want your boot camp people to be blown up immediately you put them in the middle <laughs> yes, of the country you're right. <laughs> the windiest part <laughs> yeah no man it's uh because you know it's not like we have to do any real navy things when you're in the boot camp the I mean, boot camp's really just about putting you in line and like making sure you have enough willpower to endure the suck you know like that's the way i see it right it's because a lot of the military sucks like being on deployment you're gone for a long time it's it's a lot of depression you heard it here first listeners (laughs) it sucks the military it's it's a lot of depression Do you have what it takes? <laughs> Do you have what it takes to endure yeah, not the strength, strength? Not physical strength. <laughs> that that, that won't be one of their commercials, huh? <laughs> Army strong. Well, suck it up. Suck. <laughs> we suck. We're definitely going to get into it, but like we we need to have somebody who's actually been through it to have this discussion, dude, because yeah. I mean, James and I have talked about this before. Like In our society, it is taboo to dislike to... Uh, talk shit about the military it is you know and like obviously thank you to everyone who has served and risked their lives yeah i guess we should should probably start that way for the listeners like we have great respect for the people that put themselves out there it's more of the institution of military yeah yeah, and i'm sure we're gonna get into it and rob has his own story but like that's the reason we're having you is because we couldn't just sit here and be like, well, I heard that. Yeah, they- fuck the military. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, I'm yeah. sitting in the well, safety of my enlist? own home. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, you know, I think anybody that 
talks poorly about the military isn't talking poorly about the people serving, right? They're just talking poorly about the military itself as a whole. And it's like everyone that serves, like, thank you, obviously. And like, even me, it's not like I was getting shot at, right? I was on a carrier and uh you know well, I think sure wraps up this interview let's get somebody who actually was <laughs> let's get a real yeah. military real. person hurtful <laughs> guys <laughs> hurtful uh no. no for i guess just to uh just to like really start because i mean we were just chatting and Riffin. we just really went into the podcast started going deep already but just right. kind of uh give the listeners like a a starting point where what was the point of your life where you were at where you decided that the military was the choice Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, as you know, I was living with Chris Stevens for right after, you know, senior year of high school and then for a little bit afterwards. And we had planned on trying to get an apartment, me, you and him. And we were trying to like get work and this and that. I was just not happy. Like I wasn't happy trying to work at fucking uh, what's that? Harry and David. Yeah. Wasn't Nine happy to five call jobs. Yeah. Just I wasn't happy with it. And I realized like I need to make a change. And the biggest part was, uh, you know, I was getting stoned every day pretty hard. And Chris's mom caught me that one day smoking weed when I was supposed to be out looking for a job. And she was like, I don't know what to do because that was what I was doing every day. So she kicked me out. She was like, hey, you got to find a new place to live. And so I called my dad, moved in with him and immediately like getting kicked out by her, like it hurt a lot, right? Because she was like a mom to me and she cried when she did it and all that. And I was just like, I need to make a change because I'm not working. I'm not even trying to work. I'm just sitting here all day. And so I was like, all right, if I'm going to make a change, it's college or military. And I was like, I hate school, not going to college. I was like, so I'm just going to go military route. Where and you had to go to college anyway. <laughs> and fun fact, I became a nuke where it's two years of school. <laughs> two years, like, though, rather than four. Yeah, but right. They got me good, though, man. <laughs> got me. They lured me in with all their enticing uh, buff dudes on the... Ads. Right. But it's like, I feel like as a, a you know, lower-class citizen in terms of like money, right? Like being on the more poor spectrum, which I always have been, it's like, you don't have a lot of options. And it's like college is only really viable if you can get the um, loans and stuff or get the, what do you call it? The uh, grants and scholarships. Grants and scholarships and stuff, right. And it's like, if you can't really do that as a poor person, it's like, I can't look at a loan and justify Well, and at the same time, getting those scholarships and grants are so much harder. Like, even if you just skip one year, if you're like, I'm going to take a break from school right after high school, it's like the very next year. It's even so much harder to get scholarships and grants. Yeah. After that, it's like like you can't sit, you can't take some time to decide. It's like now or never. So as, as a, you know, someone growing up like that, when you're poor and you don't have the money for college and it's like, you can either go into regular work and try to find something that way without going to school, which is difficult. It's a difficult path. Or you can try to jumpstart it by joining the military. And it's it's an easy route, really. And a lot of people say you took the easy route joining because of that. But it's like, you know, it's, it's easy real quick. It's easy in the sense that like, once you enlist, they kind of provide you and make the appointments and set you right. up and like have the path for you. Yeah. You don't have the, to. The actual doing it is difficult, right? Yeah, but yeah. it is in a sense, it is kind of like, it's easier because it's like, oh, I can struggle trying to find a job as an 18-year-old, especially in Southern Oregon, man. I was getting beat out on jobs by 40, 50-year-olds that just didn't have a job. And it's like, I'm never going to win these battles as a kid fresh out of high school with no experience. So I just had to do something to get experience. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of why I joined, you know, jumpstart myself. And so then I don't, I don't think you're alone in that either. Yeah. I think it's pretty common to feel like you don't have any options or anywhere to go and then not to look down on the people joining but that's like the people that are accepted into the military or the people that have just had rough times and it's like they don't there's no passion to like serve your country and to make I mean, a difference. Well, it's... there there is in a sense, right? Because, uh, you know, not everybody, but for me specifically, I grew up in yeah. a pretty heavily military family, right? My uncle was like my hero growing up and he was an army medic and talked about it all the time. We used to talk and I was like, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to join the army. It's definitely what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. And then I got to that age and I was like, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> 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 I, 
you know, I, when I realized I did need to join the military, uh, army was my mindset. I was like, oh, I'm going in the army. That's what I want to well, do. Well, isn't your dad was army or air, air force? Air force. My dad. And was then air force. your brother Stephen was navy, and then David was uh, marines. marines. So yes. I mean, you wow. have you have choices, I guess. Yeah, right. You have some so, people yeah. to talk to. So did you, like, I had already seen the wheel a bit of everything, the- right? And I was like, <laughs> Draw you know. <laughs> Marines wasn't my thing because you've met David. He's the stereotypical Marine, you know. The he drinks the Kool Aid to say you know? <laughs> he uh, eats crayons. <laughs> <laughs> no, and then when I walked into the Army recruiter, you know, I, I'm a pretty fucking heavy guy, and I was back then too. And he just didn't even give me the time of day. No shit. Even after I took the uh, practice ASVAB and I scored a 97, and oh 99 is the highest, you know, it's percentile yeah. based. I scored a 97 and even after that he didn't take me seriously so i was like all right i'm done with you and i walked immediately over to the navy recruiter and he was like oh yeah you want to take a practice test fab i was like i just took one over there and it was a 97 and he was like sit down (laughs) (laughs) wow i would think i would think the navy would be more picky i thought army was more like just grab bag we'll take whoever walks in type The, the navy's picky on like intelligence more yeah. so i would say like Same ASFAB with Air Force, right? yeah they have like higher standards for the asfab i think it's all pretty much the same these days except for i think marines is a little lower than the rest but interesting well and i, I kind of want to touch on that too is as far as like a positive aspect of where you were at in a physical sense before you even went into the navy and then your i guess end product of actually getting into boot camp like do you mind discussing numbers on like weight and stuff because i thought that that was personally impressive not at all yeah it was a you know obviously i had a lot of motivation i had to move back in with my father when i was 19 and i was you know heavily overweight this is shortly after high school i think i weighed 240 back then and you're only like five nine five ten oh five eight bro okay (laughs) so two, two four is big and uh you know, I was only 19 weighing 240 pounds. And so I had a lot of motivation, obviously. I didn't want to live with my father. My dad had taken, my dad and mom had taken care of eight kids and they didn't need another one back in the house. Right. So I just ran every day. They had a big hill right by their house and I ran like a mile and a half every day. Yeah. And I remember started- joining you on that too. Cause I remember driving out to Klamath Falls, which is like an hour and a half away. It, just just so we could go running <laughs> right and uh i was like dude this is wearing me out i'm like high school varsity soccer player <laughs> and i'm like oh dude i'm winded <laughs> yeah that hill is brutal man it was yeah, so it was. steep it was brutal and uh yeah after by the end of it when i finally joined um for like weigh-ins you go to meps you have to like fly out or drive out to portland and they do a bunch of testing basically making sure you're healthy and you're psychologically fine and uh, when I weighed in for that, I was 175. Damn. From 240 to 175. And that was, I started running, oh man, probably around April of that year. I think it was 2013. And I joined, officially joined in December. So from April wow. to December, I dropped from 240 to 175. So tell the fans, what is your, what is your fitness plan? How did you do it? <laughs> How many? Well, I stopped doing it. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, it's honestly, it wasn't the hardest part, obviously, is like junk food and soda, right? Because like me personally, it's I like chips. I, yeah, I like chips. I like soda. But if you just cut those things out, that alone is huge. Like, well, that was another thing, too, is that being in Klamath Falls, there's not much around you. So if you wanted nah. chips or soda, you had to go walk your sorry ass to go get it. Like so two like, miles at least, bro. You're burning the calories to even go get the junk <laughs> food. Like, oh, my God, it's not even worth it. <laughs> and I had already done my fucking run up the hill that morning, and I'm like, I'm not doing another two miles. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, so I, I really just ran every day. And then I had you know what i used to use actually i forgot is that we fit you guys remember that with like yeah. the, Dude, that the little pad you could stand on yeah i used it every day the board. and that's that's i think that probably was a big part of it as well and then i ate really healthy you know like i didn't eat a lot of red meat if i ate like a burrito or a burger it was turkey burger or turkey wow. burrito shit like that yeah i mean well, this that's... is this is mostly you know an emotion an emotional health podcast but obviously you know we could talk all day about the tie-ins between physical health and emotional health and so just real quick for our listeners like not a super in-depth regimen but like 
that this just gives you an idea of what that mental barrier looks like and one, what some of those physical things, you know, individuals can do to better their. Well, yeah, their to elaborate on that too. I think it's important to point out that, you know, on this show, we tie, we kind of pick like negative subjects to talk about as in, yeah, as in like how to change these in your life. But I think it's also important to point out that these are important emotions to show you that you don't like something in your life or you have no other choice so the negative motivates you into doing positive things and so as much as we look at the negative as like a bad thing we don't want in our life it is necessary to some point to to gain some sort of traction of momentum to pursuing change yeah that's that was what i used to do you know you use main motivators like that if like i don't want to be this person and so specifically there was a picture I took when I went to visit Chris Harvey with and Chris Stevens back in like San Diego or whatever it was or LA. And uh, we took a picture and it was the worst picture I've ever taken in my life. Like just the double chin, triple chin, you know, just huge. And I would stare at that picture all the time and be like, I don't want to be that guy. And that was my motivator to run up that fucking hill and hate my life. I know I already angle the picture in front of you like a carrot on a stick, just run after it. You're like, I'm gonna fucking I know I already made you like a cartoon character for this podcast, but I'm gonna switch it for that picture. And just that picture will be the cover art. (laughs) No, please don't. Um, that's amazing no so like the the next step after that is obviously getting accepted doing the boot camp stuff and then going to nuke school is really i guess in chronological order the next just just to put it in perspective too i was really uh who ya diggity as they say you know like i was all about the navy when i joined like i was super like hell yeah go america let's do this i love the navy i love this this is great and I kept that attitude for a long time, but it just like slowly diminished, you know, like the Navy really takes it out of you, man. We'll definitely get there. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. Let's, let's wait, but I am definitely curious why. Yeah. I don't know that what that process is. It, like. In well, my not, mind, it, I just figured it's like chronological to show the story right. of progression yeah. to see like how so, it changes. So over you're time. super excited, fresh out of boot camp, mm-hmm. and then you just decide to go to nuke school or like, do you get to No, No, So you pick your rate before you actually go to boot camp, or most people do. If yeah. you don't, you're considered undesignated, which is fine too. You can do that. And you'll just pick a rate once you go out to the fleet kind of thing. But most people pick a rate before they go. And if you score high on the ASFAB, AKA like a 85 or higher, um, uh, most, yeah, most, well, yeah, you can pick whatever you want. Typically um, nukes most of the time, You'll auto qual if you're like a 90 ASFAB or higher. You could auto qual with lower, but it's, it's, I don't know how much you guys know about the ASFAB, but there's like six or something categories, right? That you test on. And I know, like, I know a, sh- a ton about it, but yeah, our listeners probably are stupid. So. <laughs> no, and, and yeah, the details don't really matter as yeah. much. Point but. being, you can auto qual if you do well enough in certain categories. I'm right? sure you yeah. did. And yeah, so um, most people, it, when you score that well, your recruiter immediately pushes nuke because your recruiter gets a bonus if he recruits nukes. So he doesn't care about what you want at that point. He's going <laughs> to, he really doesn't. And it's, he's going to make it sound as good as he can because he wants a bonus, you know? Yeah. And for me, my older brother actually initially signed nuke. So I'd already heard about how horrible it was. Oh, and he failed out of nuke school. And so, you know, when my recruiter brought it up, I laughed and I was like, no, nah, man. And he's like, wow. he's like, well, he's like, no, and it's really great. I was like, my brother was a nuke. And he goes, oh, he just gives up because everybody knows, you know, and then uh, wow. if you sign nuke at the time when I joined, it was an $11,000 bonus. And Which is now enticing it's a, for like yeah, a kid out of high school. Exactly. <laughs> now it's a $40,000 bonus. Holy shit. Because yeah. why it's getting harder to get into or less people are? Or? It's hard to get through it. It's hard to get into. And most people quit after their first enlistment because no it sucks. Yeah. So okay, it's like so the, bo- the bonus is high because they need people. So you wanted to do something else, but you ended up going with Nuke anyways? Yes. Yeah, so what happened was um, 
basically I thought about it over the next couple of days after he had mentioned it, an $11,000 bonus and me being poor my entire life. Rolling up in your head. Like, it was, yeah. I've been poor my whole life. And I was like, 11,000 yeah. is insane, right? Which is like a sad thing to think about. Like that's just flash some money in front of kids and they'll do yeah. whatever you want. Yeah, And it, that's how they get like most nukes. What and, was your other option or what, what were you leaning towards? Uh, AE actually, which is just, aviation electrician. Okay. Yeah, it's just, what it was Chris what does. It is what Chris does. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's <laughs> so now you guys can compare notes in hindsight. But it doesn't yeah. sound like me just personally knowing Chris doesn't sound like he had a much better experience. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought about it for a while, and then honestly, it was ego is what got me to be a nuke is because I thought about it and I was like, I'm smarter than my older brother. I'm I'm smarter than him. I can do this, and it was just me being wow. an egotistical asshole. You hear that, brother? He's got beef with you. He's he's smarter than you. <laughs> but so I, it was ego is what pushed me. The ego and the eleven thousand is, you know, what got me in there. And uh, yep. And then I joined, and turns out I did really well in school. So I was, was kind of right, you know. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's that's okay, basically so then, it. That's what so got then, me there. So then, what was the? Now we're just going chronological. What was it? You said like now going back, would you have also? Uh, would you have still gone with Nuke if you could go back? Oh, it's hard to say. Like, I, I think so. What were the I downsides so. to it, I guess? I mean, you got through it. The The downside is it's a lot of work. It's nonstop work. And like when you're a Nuke, you're first on the ship and you're last to leave the ship kind of mm. thing. So you're working constantly. Mostly physical, mental or both it's, pretty much? It, it's mental. It's, it's, okay. it's mental. It's all mental. Well, yeah, like, I remember those days when I would like come down to San Diego where you were stationed to just visit. You'd be like, yeah, I'm working. What, what's the word you call it for it? When you're like, you're working your full shift and then another shift because they're back to back or something like that. Uh, you're probably thinking of duty duty that's what it was duty. because yeah. i'd come down and visit and you're like yeah i have duty this weekend and you just be like you'd be gone the whole time until you were off and then it's like i have three days off bitches let's get drunk <laughs> yeah yeah so the way duty works is it's like basically <laughs> so you, you do <laughs> laughing at the word duty <laughs> yeah, the, the duty dude, it's like no matter how old you get like we're, just... we're here to talk about emotions because we're mature <laughs> duty <laughs> No, but the way duty works is it's a full day of work, basically, right? Because if you're on a ship specifically, right, you have to have a certain amount of people on the ship at all times, right? Even when you're shut down, things need to be watched. People need to be stationed there, you know, whatever. So a certain number of people have to be on the ship, and we call it duty, right? And for nukes, it's if you're on a submarine, it's worse. It's like every three days, there's like a three-section rotation, meaning you'll have duty, two days off duty, two days off duty, you know, Damn, wow. and that's a submarine. Uh, we've been like that on a carrier before, but it's not typical. Typical on a carrier is like four section. So you have one day of duty and then three days off, you know, and the three days off, when I say that, it's not like a weekend, you know, like you still have work. You still work your normal <laughs> work days day. off from duty. Yes. <laughs> Which is a three... different type of work. <laughs> yeah. God. So it's like uh, yeah. two different jobs almost. Is it, yeah, too, is it so is it also mental work when you're on duty or are you literally just standing there being a security guard pretty much uh so for me specifically being a nuke right uh running helping operate nuclear reactors or whatever when they're shut down no big deal duty for us <laughs> duty for us is we're down in the reactor room right you're you're monitoring everything making sure nothing's you know gonna blow up or do something crazy right but and, if they uh, do, you'll be the first to know, right? If they do, you know, yeah, you'll be the first to know, and hopefully you fix it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hopefully nothing gets too wild down there, which it doesn't. You know, there's so many safety precautions; nothing bad ever happens. But yeah, it's it's that's what you're doing when you're on duty. You do your normal work day typically, even when you're on duty, like with everybody else, and then everybody else will go home, and you'll stay down there at the reactor and do, you know mostly taking logs honestly there's a couple evolutions you have to perform you know like draining a tank or transferring water somewhere yeah exactly yes exactly the u.s military it's boring draining water <laughs> training tanks enlist today <laughs> enlist today you'll see the world 
<laughs> let me tell you bottom of the world. Let me tell you what a lie that is. When they say you'll see the world, next thing you know, it's all ocean. It's like a majestic <laughs> ship sailing into the sunset. You ever see the sunset from where you were, Robert? Were you down in the reactor? Yeah, I came up. I came up a couple times when I first went out to sea. You know, because like the reactors are obviously at the bottom of the ship. Yeah. And I came up the first couple of times and the first time you see it is pretty wild. You know, in the middle of the ocean, it's super blue. But I can't like, even describe I, I how also blue it know is. you and you have motion sickness. So there probably wasn't long before <laughs> you're like, fuck this, I'm going back down. <laughs> no, no, on the car- carriers are so big, man. Like it's hard to get motion sick on them. Yeah. Okay. Like I did the first couple of times I went out, but then after, you know, you get your sea legs pretty quick. And mm-hmm. on a carrier, again, it's nothing. Like I we do uh like transfers from other ships where we get fuel from other ships or something and they'll pull alongside us right and it's always a smaller ship like way smaller and i'll see what their ship is doing in the in the water <laughs> and i'm like how do you guys live like that <laughs> it looks like a roller coaster man what are We're you doing a size skyscraper just floating across the ocean. <laughs> yeah. like floating across a pond that's insane um going quickly back to uh new school because i mean that's how this podcast rolls. We get off subject, but we always come back at some point. <laughs> Tandems, you know. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I, I also think it's nice information to like refer back to later as well. But um, sure. back to nuke school. I mean, essentially, mental boot camp is you were you were pretty secluded there. Mm. You weren't really allowed to leave. Yeah. You were doing school often. Nuke school is when I got my first taste of what. The military, yeah. What causes depression in the military? It's the first time you really get a because boot camp you can play anything bad that happens. You're like it's boot camp, right? So like, it's, yeah, mm. it's easy to put that off mentally. But once you get to nuke school and you think things are going to be different, and then leadership does certain things, it's like Jesus Christ, man. You start to really see it. Um, and as a nuke doing school, right? If you do poorly in school, they give you extra hours and you have to stay. We called them, <laughs> Your punishment yeah. is more school for being bad yeah. at school. That's the exact yes. opposite of public school. Yeah. It's like, all yeah. right, you know what? Take three days off. That's your punishment. Yeah, you're suspended. Yeah, right? you're suspended. <laughs> yeah no, not us, man. They've if you do well, figured out in the military. Yeah. If you do well in school, it's a normal like school day, like start at 7 a.m. You're out of there by 3 p.m. or something, oh, yeah. you know? But uh, most people get on at least some hours. And we called them like say 10 tac twos or 20 tac fours or 15 tac threes. So what that means is if let's say it's 15 tac three, that means you have to do 15 hours a week, at least three hours a day on the weekdays. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, So if the worse you do, the more hours you get. So there was people that were struggling, right. And you have to get, you know, a two, five minimum to not get expelled kind of thing. Right. Like not get kicked out. Yeah. And uh, so the guys that are barely on that two five line were rocking twenty five fours or thirty fives even. Eef. <laughs> With, yeah, and so it's just brutal, man. They'd be in there until for school until three p.m. and then they do four more hours until seven p.m. They got to leave and eat at some point, right? Yeah. Then they have to they go home for a couple hours. They get up in the morning. They do it all again. And if you only do your bare minimum hours per day the weekends you're usually left with like 10 extra hours or something ridiculous you know so even your weekends get lost that's insane that's rough and to even like add to the uh mental stuff i know this is like a touch touchy subject for me and you because like pretty much every time we see each other it gets brought up because we're like so drunk and i Uh bring up emotions (laughs) anyway but while you're doing all of this our best friend Chris passes away at the same time. Like, this, and I can't. I, best friend is like an understatement for really the is. listeners. Like, like, we were a brotherhood. We were everything. Uh, you, like, you know, his family tattooed took me on in your senior skin, year. Right? You know? Yeah. No, I have. I have Chris tattooed. And I have was, Chris and yeah. Rob tattooed. And that was before me. he passed away, even right. No, that was, no, was after. after. But still, it was, it was from a picture. Like, yeah, yeah. you guys were definitely. But close. yeah, man. I mean, that was a. Uh, it was obviously a huge effect on our lives losing him. And like I said, you know, his family took me in, made me one of their own kind of thing. And the worst part about that, this is actually when the, my first negative feelings towards the military happened was losing him because I found out at lunch, right? Like I was in school and I was at lunch and I found out from his mom 
And, you know, obviously I'm breaking down. I'm crying in my barracks room. I destroyed my barracks room. Like I just fucking, we had like an armoire. I broke the doors. I was just breaking things because I was angry. And then I had to go back to school (laughs) with all these peers that I've known for just like a month. And I was like, holy fuck, I have to keep together. Like, I don't know these people. I don't want to cry in front of all of them, blah, blah, blah. And my chief at the time, which is like my boss, right? He he would always come in after lunch and say, hey, if anybody has any questions, you feel free to step out here and talk to me. And I just couldn't keep myself together. So I raised my hand and I was like, I need to talk to you. And as I'm saying that, I broke down and I was just bawling, dude. And Ooh, so God. I ran out of the room with him crying. And he takes me into his office where all like him and the first classes are, right? Like all the supervisors are. And I'm sure they were all confused because you probably seemed like you were doing really well in school yes, as far as I understand I, it. Like exactly. You were I was top of your I, class, you know? Yeah, I was doing so real like, well. <laughs> and I come in there crying and uh, I can't really talk. I'm like hyperventilating, you know, because it's just like, it's I mean, if anyone fresh, if anyone like listening has lost a friend like that, it's devastating, right? Oh, yeah. It's like I would put the, uh, the comparison of like losing a brother. A, a brother or a parent or a child if that's ever happened it's just like someone that you've attached your identity to as making you who you are today and i'm sure just cutting and i mean we were what 20 19 20 20 years old yeah Um, he was 19 still yeah yeah. he was still 19 because he was the runt of the group (laughs) (laughs) but uh and then just so young and honestly made me who I am today as far as like bubbly uh extroverted yeah, personality sure. and wanting to like be the light in the room when everyone... it's like you guys know I was pretty shy back in school I mean around yeah. friends obviously I was real outgoing and blah 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 but like I was shy as far as the whole school went and after losing him I just kind of adopted part of that personality of being outgoing and being the guy that like is the loud one in the room you know <laughs> definitely but and... uh yeah, I don't know. It was just it was such an impact on both of our lives. Obviously, you're you're the one that we're interviewing, so I don't want to steal it from you. But I mean, yeah, it was to already be going through the mental processes of school and then yeah. this happening. Not just school, but like the hardest type of school probably in the entire. Like, is there anything more? Like, I'm trying to think on the league of like Ivy League schools and shit like that. Like it's got to be a similar type of grueling mental. Yeah. I mean, I obviously, you know, I can't say for sure whether it's what, how it compares to Ivy league schools kind of thing. All I know is it's a lot of information packed into two years. Like you have to be mathematical instead. Like it's that type of, uh, you know, uh, mathematical there's, you know, physics there's, it's just a lot of, a lot of learning, man. And Yeah, 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 a lot of it is physics and electrical and mechanical, and, I think the benefit to that, though, is that you're not taking like bullshit elective classes. It is yes, actually pertaining it is, to what you're doing. Streamlined. It's 100 percent streamlined. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. yeah. But uh, sorry, we got you off. We got you off your your topic there. You were talking about just you just gone in to his office, right. and of course, like our listeners have already probably put this together. Um, but like just to accentuate one more time, like you guys' closeness and relationship, like you were living with this dude up until you yeah. left the military or left for the military or left to your dad's really. But like she was kind of his mom was kind of that first inspiration for you to even enlist in the first place. Yes. So exactly. In a sense, you're like there for him and for his family. And then you get this news. Yeah. And the the worst part is, you know, obviously losing him, all I wanted to do was come home and be there for the funeral and be there for his sisters, right? He had two he has two little sisters, one of which I think Samantha was what sixth or seventh grade and that's all i kept thinking about is like no matter how bad i felt i was like how much worse is it for them and i just wanted to be home and that's what i told them when i was crying in the office i was like i gotta go i gotta go home and they looked at me right there when i'm still bawling and they were like he's not family you can't go and i was like what do you mean and they're like well you we can't give you emergency leave because he's not technically family and I lost it. I lost it when they said that. And I started screaming at all of them. I was like, you guys don't know what the fuck family is then. Fuck you. How dare you say that to me? And I was just, I, I freaked out, you know, and I was just lost it. And then I just went back to my barracks room. I didn't even go back to class. I just left there and went back to my barracks room. Oh my but that God. was, that was the first 
time when I really started thinking I don't like the military because it was like the military is the reason I didn't get to go to his funeral. It's the reason I missed yeah. that. Well, and speaking on like oh brotherhood and like, you know, that bonding between people and everything, did you have uh, other people you were going to school with there that was understanding, like someone to help you through it? You know, I had I had a few close friends that I you know met pretty early on, right? And uh, when something like that happens, obviously nobody knows what to say to you. Yeah, and there's exactly. nothing there's nothing anyone could have said to me, right? Like the people that were trying to say things to me, I would get angry, which is not the right response. But I was grieving, you know. It's not you know you have a lot of emotions, right? And so I didn't really know what I needed, and my closest friends didn't really know what I needed except one person uh Fonville he we were like he wasn't even my closest friend there you know but he texted me one day and he was just like hey man you want to come play pool and just chill we want to we don't have to talk or nothing and I was like yeah I could really use that because I was sitting in my room crying you know for like the last days or whatever and he just played pool with me and didn't talk about it and just wow sat there quiet with me this is the advice portion of the podcast (laughs) for the listeners but honestly it is there is something to take from this that when people go through loss sometimes the last thing you want is someone to try and fix the problem because there is no fixing it so some sense of normalcy some sense of companionship without conditions you don't need a pity party at that point it's just like hey let's just hang out I think yeah. is and that's tough for men because I think generically speaking, anyways, men are kind of problem solvers. And yeah. like this is just what I've heard is like that's that's the reason that like marital issues happen so often is because women just want that emotional connection, but like men are always trying to solve the problem. And so yeah. I'm sure that just that environment you were in was just all dudes trying to like be there for you. They had good intentions, but it's like they're just trying to get to the bottom of it where this dude finally came through. And that's amazing yeah. to hear, dude. Yeah, I don't even think I ever told him how much it meant to me because he didn't like he didn't try to make me talk about it. He knew I was in pain and he just sat there quiet with me. And you know, once in a while Did I he let you win at pool at least? I don't I don't I don't remember to be <laughs> that honest. That would have been even worse. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, play me like a man. <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, once in a while he'd find me just kind of standing there looking off and he would just come up and he'd put his hand on my shoulder and just kind of let me know he's there and then he'd go back and he'd take his shot and it was wow you know it was exactly what i needed so yeah very make me tear up right now fuck man. yeah I, I get i start sobbing every time we talk about this because it's like you know the pain lessons to an extent or at least the time period between right like well, it's like that grows longer but every time you talk about it it's like it doesn't take away from the fact that it still hurts it's like that analogy i'm sure you've heard it or maybe you've even talked about it it's like pain like that doesn't go away but it's like a box right and imagine there's it's a square box and there's a big circle in it and at first the circle fills up the whole box and every time the circle hits the side of the box you feel the pain so when that circle's huge, you're feeling it constantly. And that circle never goes away, but it does get smaller, right? So it hits the edges of the box less and less. Yeah, for sure. It no, never, I think it never goes away. a beautiful analogy because I was thinking about that today. Um, outside of Chris, uh, I had George. George was the elder gentleman that right, I was yeah, doing I caregiving for. And it's the same thing. I grew a bond with this man and it definitely was not to the extent of Chris, but it was like three years of my life that I dedicated to caring for this man in in an emotional and like a physical medical sense too. So when I lost George, I was thinking about it today and I was going through some like old Snapchat stuff and I started like crying because I got, oh shit, like here's another person I've lost that I'm just scrolling through memories. But yeah, I think that that's a beautiful analogy to say that you know it hits the the sides of the box less but it's it's still there it's still there yeah it never goes away for sure and obviously that was the main push of like i don't like the military but i was still pretty you know i was still pretty about it for a little while because in my mind like that part sucked a lot but i was doing well in school so i wasn't suffering like a lot of my friends were you know with these 25 fours i wasn't suffering i was doing seven to three and i was getting paid and it was dope did they give you kind of leeway for not showing up to class that day or did you have to make up for it no no that's the reasoning i couldn't go home right is so uh they push 
we do the school, the way schooling works is there's a new class that starts every week. So every week there's a new class of like 30 people, maybe 20 people that start every week. Mm. And if I had gone home, they would have had to set me back a class one week. They would have had to set me back and they didn't want to do that. They said that, you know, they can't afford to push me out to the fleet later. So we can't do it. And the fucked up thing is the class that was one week behind me is there's three different schools when you do nuke school. Right. And that was the first school I was in. And then uh, between the first and second school, there's a waiting period. And that class that was behind me was in the same waiting period as me. And by the time we got to our oh second school, we were all together. Oh my God. <laughs> so, like, so I didn't actually loot. I wouldn't have lost any time to the fleet. That's so, ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. And so like, I think you've definitely touched on, I think, probably what is the biggest criticism of the military writ large, like not talking about policy things or like specific tactical things, but just like overall, just the fact that they like the entire purpose of it is to like pull the emotion out of you and get you to become more mechanical, more logical, more thought oriented, like shoot first, ask questions later type, like, you know, very, very streamlined in the way that you follow command. And I mean, that's, to the benefit of protecting, you know, I'm sure yeah. to some larger <laughs> purpose. It's, it's that's to it, the benefit of following rules. Yes. But. Literally, <laughs> literally, when you're doing like the creed, yeah. the the sailor's creed, you're talking about it's loyalty to the nation and the navy ahead of loyalty to the individual. That's yeah. one of the things you're supposed to promise. Yeah, and it's like that promise to me always felt weird, and it's like I understood what they're saying in a sense, but it's it like if i don't know it, well and it goes to show like who how many people take this creed and then think the same thing or feel the same thing and then you know initially and then just block it out for the rest of the time period like how many people aren't speaking about that part oh dude i mean it's so many right but it once you're in the military pretty much everyone in knows it sucks yeah. <laughs> everyone in is like the leadership's always terrible or like when you do have good leadership, they usually get fired. You know, like yeah. it's it's horrible. It's a, it's a never-ending cycle, right? Because the only people that'll stay in are the people that are assholes, right? Like most of the because good people get out unless that's the good people crazy. had a reason to stay, right? Like if they, you know, I, I the, me saying this makes it sound like I've never had good leadership, and I have. There are a few people I could name that were great leaders to me, but as a whole, leadership more often than not was terrible. And it was, you know, well, and what's interesting is I had that written down too, because I knew it was going to come up is that like, it seems that I'm just going to say lower ranking people end up bonding over the shittiness, the over the suffering. It's like, oh, we're all suffering together. Yeah, exactly. We actually that exact phrase came up on the last podcast that we did with slow corpse that it's like, you know, the suffering is eased, I guess, and that, <laughs> when you have people to suffer with. That's one thing I'll say is everyone thing. I did meet in the Navy, you grow extremely close to extremely fast. And yeah. it's because you're all going through the same shitty experience and you need that bond to get through it, you know? Yeah. So there's a lot of people I met in the Navy that were immediate, like, best friends. People I knew for, you know, a couple of months became best friends kind of thing. So I'm just going to real quick play just devil's advocate here. Overall, military, from your experience, here's their next slogan. Is it really that bad? Like overall, (laughs) all in all, like you have the shitty leadership, you have the shitty grueling hours and everything. Like, but do you really feel like you like were stripped of your humanity and like you'll never come out of something where there was a part of you that was lost or damaged or... um, like, I don't know. I'm just trying to put like kind of a cap on it. Like, yeah, not only for I, people considering, but just like, cause you know, it's hard for me to say, right. Because yeah. as a nuke, my experience from other people is so vastly different. Like really? even talking to my older brother or to Chris, like we had vastly different experiences. Okay. And it's just because as is it a because nuke, of intelligence though, like it, it's just because of my job. It was because of my no. job my job is just so demanding and there's no room for error right like when you're operating a nuclear reactor there's no room for error wait say that again <laughs> when you're operating a nuclear reactor 
just so everyone is clear. The stoner that got kicked out of the house is <laughs> so operating. <laughs> but, uh, no room for error. And yet you whiff at Rocket League every time we play. You say, That's a whole should have seen me operate in the reactor, bro. No. <laughs> Guys, just cover it up with a band-aid i mean that's why the school is so intense though right and then like even when you show up to a ship it takes two years or a year and a half before you're considered senior in rate and you can actually do everything on the reactor right so it it takes a very long time to get to that point yeah and it's just so these experiences are so different like you know a lot of people probably do regret it and will say they they'll never re-enlist for sure. I, I like see memes about that on Facebook all the time. It's like, why I'll never re-enlist and people are just yeah. citing all these fucking, w- would you, can I just pose that question to you real quick? No, no, no. I would, <laughs> it, so it, there are benefits obviously, right? Yeah. Like being, being a nuke specifically, it opened up job opportunities for me in the civilian world because especially with being a nuke, people look for nukes because they know how fast nukes can learn and you've already been operating a reactor for probably four years or so. So that's like highly sought after skills, right? Well, even can... just the behavior itself, like you said, of learning quickly, but yes. also determination, just sticking it yeah. out no matter what it is anyway. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So like that part of it's real nice, obviously, is once once I got out, I had plenty of job opportunities. It wasn't a struggle to find a job. Um, but the... I don't know if the negative is better than the positive, you know, like, would I do it again? Probably, probably. So I I can put it down to that. It's like, it sucked a lot, but at the end of the day, where would I be if I hadn't joined? What would I be doing? You know, what would my job be? I'd probably be, you know, working at a fast food or grocery store or something. I don't know. Probably still be just getting stoned every day. Maybe even not have a job. Who knows? But uh, definitely. Yeah. And I think that's a huge positive to to play out is one making again, drawing light to negative aspects as it does motivate us to, you know, have something different in our life. So the negative of the military still made you who you are today. Yeah. And then it gave you discipline as much as we do put down stripping of emotions and kind of being robotic in a sense there are aspects of our life, not to necessarily say we need to strip ourselves of emotions, mm-hmm. but we do need to give ourselves more discipline structure by not yeah. wallowing in emotions. Yeah. And, you know, as much shit as I, I'll talk about the Navy, some people have good experiences. Like some people have good leaders. And if you Definitely. have good leaders, you can have a really great time in the Navy. Mm-hmm. Uh, deployment's going to suck no matter what. You know, it doesn't matter if you have good leadership or not, deployment blows. But other than that, you can have a pretty decent time. Deployment is in like actually going out on a vessel or just? Yeah, deployment uh, means you go out and you're going to, you know, some foreign place in the ocean somewhere and you're out for typically seven months. Okay. Which or at is least actually when I, when I was in it was seven months. The nice, I guess, chronological transition is you, you get out of school, you get stationed in uh, San Diego, which yep. is, was that your first choice? Yeah, I was actually a sub ball. Pretty stoked that didn't happen because that life is worse. <laughs> they, they work more. Um, but yeah, San Diego was my first choice of duty station. So, And I mean, it's West Coast and that's where we grew up. I mean, you grew up Bay Area and then moved up to Oregon. So, I mean, right. it was still semi-close. I came down to visit while you were down there. Um, how long were you... I guess stationed before deployment. It was a couple of years, right? Some time on the coastline and uh, sometimes actually out on the ocean, and then you yeah. Come so back the way, or... basically, like to give you a quick timeline without to anything too specific. It's like uh, there's a typical rotation, right? You'll go. If, let's say you just went on deployment and the ship comes back into port, right? Main port being San Diego comes back into port. Typically, you'll go into a maintenance period. That maintenance period can take about seven months to a year, maybe kind of depends, right, on the plan. And then after you get done with that maintenance period and you fix all the things you needed to fix or upgrade whatever you needed to upgrade, whatever you're doing, uh, you'll do workups is what we call it. And workups is like, you since you haven't been out to sea for seven months or a year at all, you have to get the ship ready, go back out to sea for like a couple of weeks and you start practicing certain things. Like we'd run drills on the ship to make sure we're ready for casualties kind of thing. You uh, gotta make sure everything on the ship works properly. There's inspection teams that come out and make sure the crew can actually do their job kind of thing. 
So the and OSHA, that, but for the military, yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> so that hands. that takes you know another seven months or so, and it's like you'll do one month out to sea, and usually that out to sea is like you're not too far off the coast, but you're far enough where you can't see land. A life life vest to you if you (laughs) mess up too bad. Uh, Yeah, sometimes you're even close enough you can still see land and you're like, God, there's home right over there. (laughs) (laughs) I can swim if I tried. But uh, yeah, it's usually like a month in, month out, month in, month out, month in, month out. Do that for a few months. And then once every, all the tests are through, they'll be like, all right, you're good to go. Get out there. Then you go on another deployment. Mm. And it's that kind of rotation. So Sometimes do you, actually, do you actually pour it somewhere out, somewhere else, or are you pretty much on the water the entire seven months? Uh, so typically, for carriers specifically, you'll make a port call every like once a month, roughly. I think in our on our seven month deployment, let's see, we did Guam like five, right? Dubai. We did Guam, Dubai, uh, Bahrain, Dubai again. Singapore, the Philippines, Hawaii. So we did seven. Okay. So you do see land periodically because I'm trying to think like psychologically, are there some people who are just like can't stand being out we, of strictly? We, yeah, we have to make port calls for that exact reason. It's so you oh, don't wow. go crazy out there. And uh, what, do they, what do they call that in the pirate days? Wasn't there a term for that? Just uh, I think there was. I don't know what the sea. term was, but yeah, there's definitely But there is a, a thing. Okay. And uh, But yeah, so... Basically, every month, once a month, you'll port for two, maybe three days in whatever place you're in, and then you'll go back out for another month or whatever. And if you're out to sea for, God, I think it's 55 days straight, you're supposed to get like a beer day, and they get beer on the ship, and you get like two beers. It's supposed to boost morale, you know? <laughs> and Supposed we went, to, did it work? <laughs> we went past that once, and uh, we went to like 58 days or something. And our captain was like, oh, it's close enough to 55. We're not doing a beer day. And I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> like, give me my beers. It's like, we made it. I didn't <laughs> so, even, it's not even that I wanted beer. Changing. I just wanted the experience of being like, yeah, we got a beer day. <laughs> but you can say you went 58 days straight without seeing Without land. seeing land. Yes. Yeah, correct. that's insane. Correct. And, and yeah, I guess focusing on the deployment aspect, you've told them, me some shit like well i guess we'll start with the positives what are the what is the best part about uh being on deployment hookers (laughs) (laughs) hands down the ones they ship in on little boats they smuggle them in through the bottom Uh, so that the cnn cameras can't see uh, no best do you mean like best part about port calls or deployment or what What i mean either one i figured port calls would be your answer uh but if you yeah, I mean, port way. calls are obviously what, without port calls, I mean, dude, it, yeah, I would go crazy for sure. Like, okay. it would be hell. Um, so no matter how strong mentally, how much mental fortitude you have, it's like, that's just a need? Oh, man, you would, people broke. You just saw people break, break on deployment. You, really? Like, our racks, right? By rack, it's like a bunk bed, but it's three. Like, instead of two, imagine you put... A typical bunk bed you put another bed in between them <laughs> like, yeah. that's our racks right and all you get for privacy on deployment is a thin blue curtain that covers your rack that's your only privacy okay and you would find people that were just crying you could hear them crying in the rack and it's just because they're breaking you know yeah they've you've had enough out to sea and you break a little bit and you cry and then you go back to work (laughs) yeah Yeah, and that sounds like a a normalcy so like do you have a number did you count how many times you had broke i mean i'm sure there's obviously obviously extremities there's there's like some that are worse than others they go awol right they just jump over like can't people do jump overboard actually recently someone just jumped overboard and died they didn't find them because of that particular reason so it's done but it's rare enough to where like it makes headlines when it does happen i imagine yeah people don't jump overboard a lot but people definitely attempt suicide a lot oh my god and like we had on deployment we had a guy that had to get flown off because he attempted suicide um in between workups between going in and going out when we came in uh, we had another guy on the weekend try to commit suicide and then he didn't come back out with us, you know, 
so it, wow. it happens it happens um and so as soon as you attempt it's like game over like you're done they don't even... yeah and the, here's the problem with it right and this is a big issue in the military like the one of the biggest issues about, what are I the positives say. and then we somehow lead into this so well, i knew it was coming yeah. and that's why i wanted to start with some light thing but you yeah, know it's, let's, so start, let's go back to positives real quick yeah, let's okay. go back to positives real quick uh positives <laughs> being listeners try to keep up with us We're i didn't have a lot of i obviously with the free time i did have I didn't have a lot of time to like, or I didn't have a lot of things to do with my free time. So I just worked out like no other. I got a six pack. That was dope. Didn't know I could do that. <laughs> well, I know this so, is coming from someone who was, you know, 240 going into the military, yeah. working out just to get in. And then you go on deployment and you have nothing to do, but, but work, and out. work out. And so, yeah, I got we're ripped. It's kind of like <laughs> yeah. prison. You know, yeah, it's basically. Uh, shit, yes. I probably shouldn't have said that too soon. We're talking about positives. I meant, I meant the, ru- the, ru- the routine is like prison. <laughs> yeah, that makes it better, Evan. You're right. <laughs> I'm like, huh, eat and work out. What other class of citizen do I know that that's all I have to do? I can tell no you this privacy. that the food we get, uh, sometimes you do working parties where you have to store all the food and you just make like a huge line. and and the boxes of food say for prison and military use only. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that's that can tell you the quality of food we're eating. But anyways, that's okay. Negative. So the positive. Pos- <laughs> <laughs> Hang with us, listeners. There will be the some yeah. positive. <laughs> Working out was dope. I was shredded. It was dope. That part of it, pretty cool. Um, and the only other real positive to being on deployment is the port calls. The port calls are pretty fucking fun, and it's seeing other countries. Yeah, I mean, the other countries is like, man, because it's not like <laughs> on a carrier, you can only pull into so many places, right? Yeah. And Dubai and Bahrain are the desert, man. I mean, you ever play Rust in Call of Duty, like Modern Warfare 2? <laughs> like, yeah. imagine that yeah, as a country. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it felt like, man. Until you get into the city, and then it's yeah, right. <laughs> something else. Don't they have the tallest building? Or is that? Yeah, uh, I did go there, sorry. actually. That yeah. was really cool. So the in Burst Dubai, yeah. was it Dubai? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. It is Dubai. It's Dubai. Uh, they have the Burj Khalifa, yeah, the tallest building in the world. And you can go up there and eat a five-course meal. So we did this, and oh it was God. like... Didn't you say you like, did it, like, on Christmas or something like that? It was. I think it was on Christmas, yeah. I think it was on, I think it was on Christmas. So, so yeah. you know, that little thing, I guess, was kind of a highlight. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. Being me, the closest as you can possibly get to the atmosphere and still have oxygen. Me being the cynic I am, I didn't want to do it because I was like, that's $350 for food. I was like, no, bro, I don't want to do that. And But all my friends were doing it, so I was like, what he's they're like you don't have to go i was like what else am i gonna do all of you guys are going there. Am I gonna... you, you can go jerk off in the privacy of your bunk now <laughs> yeah right so of course i went and i was you know again i didn't want to go so i was being a real dick on the way up there and i kept telling my I can buddy only Rodney, imagine that elevator ride <laughs> 350 stories just <laughs> fucking... i kept telling my buddy robbie i was like i hope this food is the worst food we've ever eaten and i was like because if it's the worst food we ever we ever eat y'all will be sad and i'll be so happy <laughs> and we get up there bro and the first course right because you don't get to pick what you're eating when you're at that fancy of a restaurant it's just like a you know, five course decides. anyways yeah. yeah and the first course they came out and it looked like lollipops man like it looked like a candy lollipop and my i grab one my buddy across me grabs one and he takes the whole thing in one bite and then so I was like, These oh, fancy I, five yeah, course yeah. meals and just one bite. Yes. <laughs> just Americanizes so, it. The chefs are like, oh, filthy. <laughs> and I forget what she said the thing was when she came out. Uh, you know, she told us what it was, but it was, she used the fancy word, which I'm not going to use now. So you don't know what I'm talking about, but she used the fancy <laughs> word and I didn't know what it meant. And not, none of us did. We're all fucking heathens, you know, we're in the military. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, he takes this full bite and then I grab it. I go, oh, I guess I'm eating this in one bite, you know? And right as I'm about to do it, he goes, uh-uh, don't do it. <laughs> he like, oh, me. And I was like, what What happened? And he's like, I don't know what this thing is, but it's not good, bro. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. it's not a lollipop. He's like, it's not a lollipop, it's squishy. And I was like, squishy? squishy? What do you mean? Oh, so I God. take like a little nibble, and sure enough, it's squishy, and I don't know what I'm eating. Like, no idea what I was eating. And the lady comes back out. We're like, hey, what did you say this was? And she goes, oh, it's frog or no, whatever which is duck liver which right? is duck liver yeah. <laughs> she goes, we're like what is that she's like it's duck liver and i was like 
why did you make it look like a lollipop? Like, <laughs> literally, the thing was green, like candied green. And I was oh like, you baited me, man. You did this to me. <laughs> like, maybe if I knew it was duck liver going in, it would have been okay. But no. <laughs> no. So, that course me. sucked, which made me super stoked. Because I, I looked at my buddy and I was like, ha, 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 told you it was going to be bad. And yeah. he, just, he was super sad. So it's but, like, if you can make, you know, it's like, Camp's only as bad as you make it type of type of setting. Like sometimes there's always ways to find like humor and things, I guess. You've always been <laughs> yes, good at that, yeah. I think. Like, you know, oh, yeah, that's definitely sure. a skill you have to have, I think, going into that. For sure. But uh, I got to say about that restaurant, dude, by the time we got to the third course or the main course, you know, it was deer steak. And that was the single piece best meat, best piece of meat I ever ate in my entire life. Like, Other was, than the hookers. Other than <laughs> but that's another story. And uh, here, and this is for the editor. Uh... Uh, I wish I was joking. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, it was dope though. That so that part is the good, right? Like those are the good experiences. Doing that was cool. Uh, you know, Hawaii was pretty cool. It, all the port calls were dope. And it's everyone that's been cooped up for a month. So everyone's just like, you just look forward to it. Yeah. You're just partying hard. <laughs> and like yeah. you, you hit a port call and you drink like one 20 ounce beer. And next thing you know, you're like, yo, I'm a little fucked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With the fine. quality nutrition of the military food, <laughs> yeah, plus yeah, just right. being cooped up without alcohol for a month. Exactly. Done dude. for. Find so, the yeah, red that... light district wherever you are and just head straight there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's places that they uh specifically blacklist right like there's a really? blacklist that we have so we get briefs before we go into port that's like don't go to these places if you go here we'll mask you that's the we'll first like, place people go <laughs> yeah people always go there for sure, for sure, for sure. what are the, the military what do you expect <laughs> one of the blacklisted places i was at i saw our cmc which if you don't know what that is it's the uh master chief of the whole boat so of the entire carrier <laughs> so of like, 5,000 people, he's the highest-ranking enlisted person. And I saw him there. And we made eye contact, and he just looked away from me real quick. We went our separate ways, didn't say nothing. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> what a beautiful world. That so if you insane. see someone at the Blacklist site, like the, you're good to go. Like, yeah, what's he going to do? Ship, he's going to mask me, and I'm going to call him out? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, it was nice to end there on a positive note for sure. Rob, I just love that about his personality that sometimes he can take dark situations and find the humor in them. Definitely, and it was truly eye-opening to see the, the aspects of the military that aren't just what we assume it to be, whether it be combat or, you know, proud or even structure and discipline kind of lacks every now and then. Yeah, and... Rob certainly had a lot to say about what uh, it takes in the in the day to day to 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 get through that sort of mentality. And so, for you guys, the listeners, there was a lot of advice. Uh, we hoped you were able to pull out from this episode everything from being a friend and being that supportive role. Who sometimes you don't necessarily need to try to solve the problem or talk about it, but just to be there for someone. Uh, and also, just kind of having that awareness of what people and what you yourself may need in these emotional times is just some uh, some silence and just a sort of determination, I guess, to be able to get through things. Make sure you go and hit like, follow, and subscribe anywhere you're listening because remember, this is just the first part of a really long, fun episode and you guys really don't want to miss part two. Don't forget to get your tissues ready because it's... It's going to be an intense one. Yeah, you're not going to want to miss that part of the discussion. But, James, anything else to add? Nope. This one was a lot of fun. But remember, while you guys are listening to it, to ask yourself, how are you feeling? <laughs>